Now it is time for our bonus segment for the Slate Plus members. And the numbers continue to be bad for the NFL, for the ratings. Uh, The latest that I saw via Sports Business Daily is that Monday Night Football is down 19% year over year. Sunday Night Football, 18%. Thursday Night Football is down 16%. And the Sunday night games, excuse me, the Sunday afternoon games are down 7% for CBS and down 4%. For Fox, at the same time, uh, there's news that ESPN lost 621,000 subscribers last month, which is the most I think that they've ever lost in a single month. Uh, Brian, this is your beat. Uh, It's something you've been writing about and thinking about. What have you seen this year with the NFL, and what do you think we should be talking about uh, around that that we haven't been talking about? I'm in the very boring position of let's wait and see on the NFL. Uh, I am in good thing is the bonus of, segment. Can you believe it? Yeah, they got people that people, pay for this. People have to pay up for this sort of subtle, <laughs> nuanced interpretation. It's sort of it's, it, this is born from experience with sports ratings, where you look at a very limited data set and argue whatever you wanted to already argue about the league. Right? We had we've been through a decade plus of saying baseball is dying by looking at the ratings of the World Series. Now we have a couple of months worth of the NFL, and it's obviously interesting that it's down. You know, I'd love to see what it looks like after the election. Uh, it also may be that, as people pointed out, that there's just like too much football on TV right now, and that after next season they could easily contract the Thursday night game, which the players didn't like anyway. And we would go back to normal levels, and then this whole little this whole little blip would be for naught. And I kind of think that it's probably going to. If I had to predict, I think it probably is going to be for not. I don't think, I don't think that if the NFL, I don't think the NFL could suddenly get so unpopular so quickly, and that the bottom would just fall out of it, you know, completely. Be for reasons like we don't like football, we'd like football less than we did, or obviously the malarkey that people aren't watching because of Colin Kaepernick. I just don't, I just don't think that's right. Well, good news for Thursday night football because the Browns are up next. How right. long can Thursday night football go with those atrocious? Eyeball searing uniforms and not think that rating killing uniforms. Rating killing <laughs> uniforms. I will now We're give you Colin a list. Kaepernick, a bigger affront to America than Colin Kaepernick. Those uniforms, for sure. I, the fact that I I agreed. We talked about this on the show. I think let's wait for the ratings. I would look at the general Sunday ratings, which means which are only down by seven and four percent. To me, that says football's the institution. Also, let's look at the playoff ratings, which I think are, are going to go down a little bit because last year, especially the AFC playoffs, you know, when you have Brady versus Peyton Manning, and I think that spiked at or it averaged more than 50 million, which was actually higher than World Series Game 7 spiked this year. So let's look at all that. But at first I was going to say the slate of games has been horrible, so I got Thursday in front of me. And if you watch week one, you were going to see the Jets. And if you watch week two, you're going to see the Texans. That was the 27 nothing game. And then the Dolphins. And then the 49ers. So there was an okay game, Chargers-Broncos. Then the Bears are playing. Then the Rams are playing. Then the Jags played the Titans. Then the well, I guess Falcons Bucks was not terrible, but it was terrible. But then <laughs> isn't the point that it's not necessarily bad games. There are just all these bad teams. And in fact, isn't it the point that there are really only one or two, maybe three or four teams that you want to watch? And the matchup, therefore, will only be really compelling uh, a couple of random times. So this could argue that the playoffs won't fall off the cliff. But I think that the uh, NFL does have a little bit of 
uh, distinctiveness problem, an overpenalization problem. But I also agree that overall, I don't know that the bottom's falling. Well, on, on Thursday night in particular, this is the arrogance in the NFL, and I would argue the justifiable ar- arrogance of the NFL due to what Brian uh, described as like decade of always soaring ratings. The thought yes. was we can put this – create this new primetime slot and every team in the league has to play in one of these Thursday games. And that's why you see the Jaguars and the Browns and whoever else there because each team has to take its yeah. turn. And yeah. people will lap this up because it's the NFL and the games don't have to be good. And like go figure. Like people do not – affirmatively choose to watch a single national NFL game that has like the Jaguars or the Titans or the Texans. And I think, I I don't think you can really argue that the NFL shouldn't have done it. Right. I mean, it seemed, it was totally uh, defensible. That's how business, right. That's how business goes. You're Starbucks. You keep opening Starbucks and the public has an appetite for opening Starbucks. And then all of a sudden you have a couple bad quarters and you have to shut Starbucks. That's yeah. so the NFL expands until the point where it gets a market signal that they've gone too far. And then the, yeah, the funny not thing. anything existential. It's just how business goes. Sorry. And then the funny thing is they can take it away. And then say, like, oh, we're actually doing something for you, like players and fans. Like, we're taking away this, like, terrible thing that we made you do. And, like, aren't we, aren't we great? And uh, aren't we, like, so humane? Because, you know, we're, we're being so player-friendly now. And by the way, to Josh's arrogance point, not only do we put this terrible match on Thursday night, but we demand that the network send their number one announcer to announce it, right? Al Michaels must have that. Mike Tirico, no, no, sorry. We need Al Michaels to announce this game because it's going to be a really big-time game. We should also remember Thursday Night Football in an earlier iteration was basically an idea to say we're going to put a really crappy game on the NFL network, mm-hmm. and this is a kind of a way for us to hold the gun to the head of cable operators to to make the NFL network part of basic cable and not part of the sports pay tier because your your subscribers are going to be missing NFL games if they don't have it, right? So under those circumstances, it was a total success, right? NFL Network has cleared far and wide now. And then, and then what they did is once they did that, they sort of took, took it off or you know, basically made it a simulcast on the NFL Network, and now it's just it's, they made the networks pay for it. So it was actually sort of wildly successful on another – on a completely different plane. Brian, well, what also, you... as a consumer, I like Thursday night football. I don't like the uniforms, but why do I need another game that I can't watch on a Sunday? Move one of those games to a Thursday. It would be nice if they're good games. But even if they're not, you know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones can combine for a lot of points. So Archivius Mingo shoots to number one in the fantasy rankings. Uh, great point. <laughs> Brian, what do you make of the decline in ESPN subscribers? Um, this is part of a story that we're being told about cord cutting and the potential kind of collapse of the revenue model whereby ESPN and to a lesser extent um, Fox Sports, NBC, whoever, spend a crap ton on rights deals because sports um, is the only thing that people really care about watching and paying for. And as a consequence, of having these rights, they can charge these incredibly high subscriber fee- fees to cable networks, and and they just print a lot of money. If they hemorrhage more and more subscribers, then that starts to look a little bit uh, more tenuous. Right. I mean, I think I think it's I think it's in a way it's sort of like, of course, this was going to happen eventually, right? Of course, rights fees couldn't 
climate that exorbitant. Of course, ESPN uh, in particular couldn't hold out this sort of hold on to this universe where everybody had to pay a giant sort of premium to get ESPN as part of your basic cable package, right? I just don't I don't know why sports. I mean, it was sort of a nice idea that live sports would be the one thing that would keep keep everyone uh, that would be DVR proof, right? That would keep everyone watching television, and. Of course, that's the case. It's, of course, it's not going to be the case forever, right? Of course, sports is just going to become like movies and TV and everything else that there won't be really as much need to watch live, or you'll have a sort of generation that won't really care about watching it live as much as we do. And by the way, I'd say that you know, since sports ratings and sports media often sort of turns into a business story, as opposed to a story about what people at home actually want to watch and how they consume sports, I'd say that there's almost no scenario where all the things we're talking about aren't don't turn out to be better for fans that we obviously live in a much more wonderful sports consumer world than we ever have been watched. We watch things in so many ways, watch so many more games than we all could growing up that um, the end point of this will almost certainly be great for all of us. And they're sort of worrying about, you know, the health of ESPN is an interesting story, certainly, but it's also like, in a way, I think if you're just a person at home, you know, do you, and you care mostly about watching games and watching the teams you like, you're in a better spot than you ever have been at any time in history. Yeah, I was like complaining about the tier 70 announcers on college football games, but um, that's because you can watch any college football game that you want, which is not the case. Like when we were growing up, Brian, like not every LSU game was on television. Um, mm-hmm. Like every like LSU basketball game is on television now, which is absurd. Yeah. Um, and, at, and you had to pay for like the lesser games sometimes, right? Pay thirty five bucks, yeah, uh, or go to a sports bar for the you know directional Louisiana school games. Not the case anymore, most of the time. So this is not potentially going to be good for certain employees at ESPN, perhaps. Um, given you know if the trends continue, there's got to be a bloodletting there, but. I think it's the same as in, you know, every other industry uh, It's that you create these products that people get used to um, online and don't necessarily want to pay for. And then companies have to figure out a way to continue to make money off of them. And it seems like they just can't pay as much for the rights or, you know, they've got to figure out a way to get the people who are, um, you know, not subscribing to cable anymore to pay for stuff a la carte. So, right. Yeah. And I'd I'd also suggest like I had a sports TV executive tell me not long ago, he's like, can you, do you just look, can you imagine how lavish these football game productions are? And we could say the same thing about the world series, like how much money is on the screen when you watch it? Like how many cameras, how many angles, you know, what a giant support staff, and I wish I had a number I could give you for how much it costs to, to put on one of these games. But, like, you know, also you get an announcer, whether you like Joe Buck or not, you get a really competent announcer who's paid, like, a lot of money, right, to announce these games. And there's another world where we show just as many sports on TV, but we also just don't, you know, to Josh's point, we don't, we have the seventh-tier announcer, or we have, you know, slightly less amazing camera angles and stuff like that, and we don't spend as much money to do it. So I would say that the bubble, when we talk about the bubble, it's not only that, you know, for rights fees, it's not only for ESPN having this amazing position of power uh, in the media. It's also that everybody's been getting rich on here from, from announcers to, to everybody on down and that 
the readjusted world may just look a little different in those cases too. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Brian. And Slate Plus members, we will be back and talking with you next week.